0: Listen to Money and Wealth with John Hope Bryant every Thursday on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: I'm Raquel Willis. Join me on my new podcast, Queer Chronicles, a show where LGBTQ plus folks tell their own stories in their own words. This season, teens will share all about growing up in political battleground states. We will always exist, and we will definitely not let them take away our joy, no matter how hard they try. Listen to Queer Chronicles on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your most fabulous shows.
2: We're supposed to learn from our own mistakes, but other people's errors can be instructive too. From efforts to control the weather that went disastrously awry, to the untimely death of the Segway boss, history is a treasure trove of mishaps and meltdowns that can teach us all. I'm Tim Harford, host of Cautionary Tales, the podcast that mines the greatest fiascos of the past for their most valuable lessons. Listen to Cautionary Tales on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
3: Ms. Deborah Watts is an author, motivational speaker, justice and public policy advocate, and a powerful driving force and influencer. As the cousin of Emmett Till, whose death at age 14 was the catalyst to the civil rights movement, she uses the platform built from her corporate and civic leadership experience, author-driven research, political candidacy, philanthropy, entrepreneurship, and as an inspirational speaker, to ensure that time will always remember Emmett, his mother Mamie Till Mobley, their legacy, and the historical slash current unjust societal conditions, as well as the horrific tragedy that caused Emmett's death. She also connects the past to the present and future by bringing attention to the injustice and violence that continues to impact the lives of other Black men, women, and children today. With the support of her family, board of directors, ambassadors and sponsors, she remains committed to seek the truth, justice and accountability for Emmett and bring about positive change for others by utilizing her global network to diligently work with activists, social justice organizations, faith and civic leaders, policymakers, educators, families, civic clubs and students all across the United States and abroad. She is as fearless as she is tireless. Her energy, voice, and persistence have captured national attention for many years and led to recognition on an international level as well. She is also the co-founder of the Emmett Till Legacy Foundation, and she joins us today to tell us more about the work this organization is doing. This is the Black Information Network Daily Podcast, and I'm your host, Ramses Ja. Okay, Ms. Deborah Watts, welcome to the show. How are you doing today?
4: Thank you for having me. And, and you know, every day is a good day.
3: <laughs> uh, indeed it is. I love that. I love that. So um, around here, we have a thing that we do with our guests, in particular, our new guests. We like to start our stories at the beginning. And since we're talking about you, do us a favor and a favor for our listeners. Share a little bit about yourself, a little bit about your, your upbringing and sort of what led you to the career path that you're on today.
4: Wonderful. Well, you know, first of all, it's an honor and a privilege to to be with you, and uh, to have your interest in this. It's uh, you know my life, and uh, to share it in some instances is difficult because mm-hmm. I don't live out loud, you know. But I am honored to to have this opportunity. Mm-hmm. But uh, I uh, was born in Omaha, Nebraska. Uh, adopted by my great aunt and uncle and raised in a community of, of love. And that community and village included my great grandparents, uncles and aunts and others in a older generation. So they were pretty grounded in their faith and grounded in who they were and also in the history of our family. And so, growing up in that environment was just as I even call Omaha, Nebraska, a black bubble. <laughs> mm. Had a pharmacist, black doctor, black dentist, and people can't imagine that in Nebraska, right? But um, growing up in that in that environment was just uh, one of, I would say, a healthy gave me a healthy sense of 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 who I am, what I could potentially become, sure. and wonderful educational uh, environment as well. And so that is a little bit about me there. But later, you know, went to college at the University of Nebraska at uh, Lincoln, Mm -hmm. uh, married, uh, eventually had three children, um, and um, began a career in corporate America, and communications and marketing, one of the largest um, communications companies, and spent time there about 22 and a half years, And um, on an occasion, uh, during our family reunions and um, with a special invitation by the mother of Emmett Till, I was asked to join her in 1988 at the unveiling of the Civil Rights Memorial in Montgomery, Alabama. Mm -hmm. And that was a life-changing experience for me. That Mm -hmm. was 1988. And um, when she summoned me, I'll put it that way, summoned mm-hmm. me to her, I had the opportunity to meet uh, Merle Evers, uh, yeah. uh, the King family, the King uh, children, um, along with um, the four little girls, their, their family, those that were in the Birmingham bombing, Rosa Parks, Julian Bond, uh, Ralph Abernathy, and all of those giants. Sure. Um, in- civil rights uh, movement were all there. And um, I became inspired and interested uh, as Mamie was prodding me, Mamie Till Mobley, Emmett's mother, prodding me to do something, to be a part of of, uh, moving things forward for her. Mm -hmm. And so to make a long story short, uh, that's what began my my interest. And eventually, uh, unfortunately, after Mamie passed in 2003, um, that interest, that need, that demand, that uh, force, mm. um, inspired uh, me and some family members to start the Emmett Till Legacy Foundation in two thousand five. Okay. So, you know, growing up, hearing the story of Emmett Till, but also seeing the joy and the the resilience, the courage of Mamie Till Mobley was just so inspiring for me, and I was just honored to to um, have that opportunity to start the foundation.
3: You know, what's, what's funny is um, I was, so obviously I know the story of Emmett Till in particular, his mother, um, but it was a comedian uh, named Dave Chappelle that put it best in saying that, well, his exact words was, she was a gangster, like in a, in a good way, because she was bold, she was uh, confident. She was strong in a moment when most people would be broken. And I'm sure that she was broken in that moment. But I think in his own words, he's quoting her saying, the world needs to see what they did to my baby. Mm-hmm. And um, so to listen to you describing her, um, it, it kind of uh, jives with what I know to be true of her. Obviously, I've uh, never met her, but, you know, um, that is comforting to know that she was a force well beyond that moment in time, um, so much so that she indeed inspired you to take action. Now, I know that you're Emmett's cousin, and I'm, I'm right uh, in saying that you're his cousin, right? Yes.
4: Our uh, great-grandfathers were brothers. Got Joe, okay. my great-grandfather, and George Smith was Emmett's great-grandfather.
3: Got it. Okay, understood, understood. So um, the, the familial connection certainly makes sense. So tell us a little bit more about the Emmett Till Legacy of Foundation. What is the purpose and um, how did it come about and so forth?
4: Yes, well, um, Mamie uh, Till Mobley and her mom, uh, Alma Spearman, actually started the Emmett Till Foundation Okay, and was grounded in faith. Um, they were interested in how young people, uh, could be anchored, uh, and move forward in their lives. And so they spent time, um, starting, uh, that organization, working with the young people in their church. And then eventually Mamie, um, started something called the Emmett Till Players, working with young people, teaching them, uh, Martin Luther King's, uh, speeches, traveling across the country with them and really building their character and um you know she poured into to those young people and and they even today are leaders in their community attorneys and doctors and and others so that was was something that was very inspirational at at watching them work and watching their determination to turn a tragedy into triumph and using their pain um and turning that into purpose having that driving their purpose so of course, we adopted that same philosophy. Mm-hmm. And uh, the foundation was started in 2005. Um, and we've, we've said things that probably people are thinking, well, what does that mean? But creating this legacy of hope, we think that as a family of ours, if, if Mamie could do that, uh, with sharing the world, what her son looked like, what hate looked like, and then turning uh, her tragedy into her purpose, and inspiring young people, we needed to do the same thing. So creating this legacy of hope, uh, connecting the past to the present and the future, and then also uh, inspiring young people um, and making sure that Emmett Till's death is not in vain. Mm. So that's what Mamie was doing as well. And so what better way to to do that and to adopt those same, uh, that same um goal, those same goals, that mission. And, and I'll tell you, it's a high order. It's a tall order for many of us because we're still pushing through, um, with our pain and we're not Mamie Till Mobley. I'll tell you, she was gangsta mm-hmm. as well, but, um, given where we are today, it's still necessary in its story, in its tragedy, the triumphs that we're achieving that, that Mamie achieved, um, those are still relevant, you know, today, and they still, I believe, inspire others. And so we look at how we can build up young people with our scholarships, you know, higher education, all those things that Emmett didn't have a chance, you know, at the age of fourteen to do in his life. Mm-hmm. Um, we um, want to make sure that we remember Emmett and preserve the legacy. We think it's a undeniable legacy of courage and of, of pushing forward, you know, resilience, all those things that, that were exhibited by Mamie. And if you look around um, at others, whether they're writers, producers, filmmakers, uh, poets and artists, and in fact, right behind me is an inspirational piece that was done by an artist. Um, that, you know, inspiration just touched so many people um, in music in art and other areas. So, you know, we certainly probably don't have that same impact, but I'll tell you, it, that had been set, the blueprint had been set by mm-hmm. Mimi. And sure. that's what we're trying to continue to do. The other piece too is justice, you know, moving forward with justice. Um, she, she wanted to, to achieve justice for her son. Certainly there was not, she didn't spend her later years in hating or doing anything out of vengeance, or um, you know, pushing forward with any you know sort of of um, I would say from a violence perspective, you know, that was never in her heart. But justice um, uh, is something that she wanted, and that's what we adopted as well. And so we spent uh, our years as well, uh, also seeking truth, as Mamie did, uh, justice, and accountability. And so that, our, or, and I know that's a wide range of things. It's a tall order to do, but I'll tell you, it's an honor for us to uh, host our Till Trail of Tears and Terror and Truth Tour, uh, which we take people to um, the Delta area on the journey that Emmett was, uh, his, where his demise uh, occurred. Uh, we also host a uh, Women's Empowerment Symposium honoring other women With the same kind of courage as Mamie called the it's um the symposium is called loving from the inside out but we do women and um then providing scholarships and supporting um policies that um, impact uh communities and others uh because i'll tell you there's this generational trauma historical trauma that exists so we have worked diligently on some of those policies and have been successful. And then anti-lynching laws that have recently passed as well. Uh, we've poured into, you know, our heart into that, pushing it forward. Um, and in addition to that, uh, making sure that, that Emmett's place and Mamie's place in our history, uh, that, that people understand it, they understand who was involved in his demise, and then also what her life and what his life Uh, hopefully can mean to
0: others today. Hi, I'm John O'Brien, host of Money and Wealth on the Black Effect Podcast Network. I'm an entrepreneur and a businessman. Some would call a thought leader. Now, every Thursday, my newest venture is educating you on how to win financially. Even better, I'm going to teach it in a way that, well, you can understand. No unexplained theories, no mundane lessons, no using 20 words when two will do. I'm going to meet you where you are and take you where you need to be. I'm giving you straight talk, relatable stories, and life lessons through my own experiences and the lens of others. We're not just talking about why financial freedom is important. We're focusing on how you can achieve it too. We all might have different starting points and end goals, but as long as we have the desire to acquire financial freedom, it can be done from the streets to the suites. Listen to Money and Wealth with John Hope Bryant every Thursday, on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
2: We're supposed to learn from our own mistakes, but other people's errors can be instructive too. And history is a treasure trove of mishaps and meltdowns that can teach us all. What happened when a zealous scientist tried to inject snow into a hurricane? How did the world's greatest illusionist trick his audience after he would died? Why did the inventor of Mother's Day try to take it all back? And how did we get the story of the Segway boss's untimely death on a Segway so very wrong? I'm Tim Harford, host of Cautionary Tales, the podcast that mines the greatest fiascos of the past for their most valuable lessons. Some stories will delight you, others may scare you, but they'll all make you wiser. Listen to Cautionary Tales on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: If you've been following the news, you know that from healthcare access to safe schools, LGBTQ plus rights are under attack. And it's about time queer and trans youth get the microphone and tell their stories in their own words. I'm Raquel Willis. Join me on my new podcast, Queer Chronicles, a show where LGBTQ plus folks tell their own stories in their own words. This season, teens will share all about growing up in political battleground states. I wish I could feel more comfortable in my own body here, but that's just not the case. And follow along as they discover what queer and trans liberation means to them. This is not running away from yourself
4: it's running into who you want to grow into
1: listen to queer chronicles on the iheart radio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your most fabulous shows
3: our guest today is author motivational speaker justice and public policy advocate and a powerful driving force and influencer the co-founder of the emmett till legacy foundation miss deborah watts So speaking of which, um, you know, you mentioned who was involved in his demise. Um, Her name escapes me right now. Um, I'm sure I have it in my notes here somewhere. But uh, the woman who was responsible for Emmett's demise, um, she recently passed away. And I know that there was a push toward the end when it was discovered that she was living quiet life somewhere uh, on the East Coast that, she still needed to um, be held accountable. And that moment passed because her life ended naturally. She was never uh, tried or um, anything like that. So what was that like for, for you and I'm sure the, the folks that you work with to um, live through that moment? And you can fill in any gaps that I'm, that I'm missing. It's just a, a question that popped into my head.
4: Yes. Well, you know, it's, it's a a question that a lot of people are asking today, because I think, um, not many may realize that we led a pretty aggressive, uh, I would say campaign, a justice for Emmett Till campaign where Mm -hmm. the celebrities that joined us, uh, was a, a good social media campaign as well as a search for new evidence. You know, we had an opportunity to visit with the on several occasions with the um, with the D.A. that was responsible in Mississippi for mm-hmm. pushing drugs forward um, and also with the Department of Justice, who closed the case or closed their investigation. Yeah.
1: I remember
4: um, that. Yeah. In 2021. Mm-hmm. And so in 2020, even we started this pretty aggressive campaign which led us to uh, searching for additional evidence after they closed their investigation and demanding that it be reopened and demanding that the sheriff in LaFleur County um, in in Mississippi serve that warrant wherever Carolyn Bryant Donham could be found. Because we weren't searching for Carolyn. We felt that the authorities needed to do their job. We were the ones on June 21st that searched the lower level of the Ford County Courthouse and found that original warrant
3: from that's right. I remember that. Okay, keep going. Keep going.
4: Five of us, you know, that did that. So we know that our ancestors mm-hmm. were pushed. Uh, sure. It took. Us, we planned three days for that search. It took us an hour and a half. So we knew we were on the right track. We knew that it depended on. Mississippi, uh, the DA and the sheriff to do their job. And so we later uh, petitioned uh, with our attorney, uh, Daribu Hill, uh, we petitioned the court to make sure that uh, they did their job. It was a writ mandanus mandamus that we uh, petitioned. And we asked for a grand jury to be held. We also asked for um, transparency and justice. Um, Unfortunately, uh, when we filed our petition, there was a delay in the court's response. Uh, We filed that June, um, well, in July, in uh, 2022. Um, We were granted, uh, I would say, a conference with the attorneys of uh, Ricky Banks, who's the sheriff, and our attorney, we were granted that on June 22nd to have a conference. Okay. Uh, we were waiting uh, for, uh, I would say, the court's response to it, you know, to our demands. Unfortunately, there was a del- that long delay and Carolyn Bryant died during this time. Okay. So we're, again, uh, disappointed, you know, that Mississippi turned its back on us from the... I would say from the state level to the federal level um, uh, and those that are responsible on a local level uh, to not achieve justice, we were so close. And so um, that's how it is for us, but we're still determined um, to pursue truth. Uh, We're still determined to pursue accountability and justice. And it may not be in the courtroom, we may not get courtroom justice, but we're still pushing forward uh, that those three things, truth, justice and accountability occur.
3: Well, you know, the the long form version of the story, uh, there's the narrative. There's the the, the documented um, shift in the way things feel. And that's not nothing. Um Again, I think it might have been that same comedy special where Dave Chappelle mentioned that um, Emmett's demise turbocharged the, the civil rights movement, and I was born in a world on the other side of that, only to look back and see how much progress. It's not all the progress that we need, but there's definitely been some progress since those brave folks, Mamie included, um, stood up and demanded equality and later equity in this country. I do want to mention this: that you know the story you just told. Um, I covered that, so I, I have a, a radio show I do as well called Civic Cipher. So I covered that show with my co-host, or I covered the um, the, the the events um, as they made their way to the news, and uh, I, I remember how crazy that was that she had kind of come to light again, because, you know, I think in my mind, you know, it's so long ago that she had already been, had already been gone or, you know, passed away, something like that. So to know that she was still alive and that there was an effort to, um, uh, Bring about justice in that in that case, it gave me what I needed to breathe some life into that story and to inform some of my listeners who, let's be honest, don't know the story of Emmett Till. Um, So it gave us the opportunity to tell that story um, and to insist that justice is what really what the 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 main thing that we've been um, trying to achieve. Certainly in the past few years, um, that there needs to be some accountability for people who, um, harm black people who misrepresent black people who cause our lives to be more challenging. And so, um, I want to say from a personal uh, standpoint, uh, that I applaud your efforts and that, that energy was not in vain it, it made its way to me at, at, at a minimum, and it inspired me to not only tell the whole story, but to point people in that direction. Um, and for better or worse, whether it was a couple of dollars or whether it was just radiating some energy in your direction, um, I know that, that, that there was a, a bona fide response to that. So again, I applaud your efforts, and I'm grateful that, um, that you were courageous in that moment. Um, And I want to tell another story, too, if I may,
4: (laughs) because we you know, you know, media is so critically important to, you know, as it was in 1955, Mm -hmm. that was able to to garner that kind of support. So thank you, because it needs to continue. And we know that we probably missed some news cycles, you know, with that. But um, but we appreciate that and we we need it going forward as well. So I I thank you for
3: absolutely, covering that. Absolutely. So um, there's something else I wanted to mention to you. Um, this might have been. Earlier this year, uh, I took a trip to D.C. I, I live on the West Coast. So I, I took a trip to D.C. and I went to the uh, National mm-hmm. Museum of uh, African-American history and culture in DC. And because I'm who I am, um, you know, I've said this to my listeners quite a bit, you know, my father was a minister and his father was a minister. So my capacity for empathy and, and for, um, this desire to find purpose and meaning and, and the things that I encounter, I think it was born with that. I got it honestly, but walking through that museum, Maybe four times I cried just because a lot of that stuff is heavy. It's beautiful. I want to make sure that anybody that wants to go and visit this museum, you know that it's beautiful. It's a worthwhile experience. There's all types of people there. Of course, there's black people, but there are people from all over the world, all different colors, having human moments. I don't want to uh, uh, put anyone off to visiting the museum. But uh, everything that I grew up with, it, it doesn't prepare you for the gravity of walking through that museum. But one of those moments where um, I, I, I'll never forget it was, was when I walked into, um, there's, a, there's a, like a halfway point in the museum, and it's the Emmett Till exhibit. And, um, you know, for, for those that haven't been, you walk in, uh, and you have to wait in line. There's a person that's like kind of waiting in line, and you walk into a room, and I didn't even know that that was what we were walking into. And in this room, it hits you because you see his face, you know, as you're walking around the museum. And for folks that know, you know, you see his face, you see his mother's face, the the, the face behind you in your in your uh, in your camera right now. Uh, so you see Emmett's face, you see Mamie's face. But when you walk into this room, you hear the music. And then you kind of see the, the layout and the way the exhibit is done. And you realize, oh, this is a... Uh, This is like a a funeral uh, chapel, and this is, you know, a line. We're lined up so that we can go and view the body. And.
4: Yeah.
3: I understand. I can edit edit this out, I'm sure. But um, you get to the front and.
2: You see um, there's a little um, ca- casket
4: and there's
3: a, a photograph laying in the casket, <clears throat> excuse me. And um, it's, it's a very heavy moment. And again, there's people there with you. There's, they don't allow too many folks in there at a time. Um, I was there with my co-host my my radio show and we were surprised that we were there having that moment, yeah. and I, um, I knew that
4: he deserved better than that. Yes, he did. Yes. yes, and he's
3: he's 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 a young person in this little casket, but he's my elder. He's my ancestor and i know that we tell the story that we know which is we know him for having died being killed in a very violent way in his last few moments were lived in horror and fear i'm sure and you know um again he deserved better than that and so sorry for taking us on this detour, but I wanted to paint that picture so that you can, because you probably know better than anyone and I may never have this opportunity again. Will you please give us any insight into what the human being was like that lived and breathed and played maybe because you would know better than anyone else so that we have more than just that memory of, of Emmett Till.
4: Yes. Well, <clears throat> first of all, your um, the impact on you is shared by so many. And mm-hmm. for generations, you know, those that live that would be uh, even at Emmett's age, he would be 82 yeah. on his coming birthday. So those in that generation still know the impact. They still feel it. And uh, the way that the National Mu- Museum of African American History and Culture uh, display, you know set up the room and and displayed that's the original casket mm-hmm. that in, that members uh, donated to the museum and so that the moment that or what the moment and human experience that you're having is what so many have had. And that's where the generational trauma and historical trauma lies. But uh, Emmett was fourteen. You know, he was like any other typical fourteen-year-old. Uh, he was only child of of, of Mamie. Mm-hmm. Um, he grew up uh, with cousins, surrounded by cousins and others. Now I'm not as old as 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 Emmett was, but I've heard stories and I've heard his, mm-hmm. I've heard his with him and my cousins. We even lived in the home with him mm-hmm. and those that played with him. So, I mean, yes, he rode bikes, he had mm-hmm. dreams. Mm-hmm. He helped me to his mother. He cooked, he cleaned, uh, he shopped. Um, so just as a responsible 14 year old, that was a jokester that loved to make people laugh. He was the center of the tension because he was the only child. So can you imagine, mm-hmm. you know, that he, had the love of his grandparents, his mother, uh, his community and neighbors, just like any other uh, loved child. He only knew love. He did not know anything about the kind of hatred that um, caused his lynching. And I'm gonna call it a lynching because that's exactly what it was. Mm -hmm. But he had had a life, he had dreams. And we in fact um, held a press conference in uh, Mississippi, in the capital, and we have images of Emmett's uh, of, of of those things that he loved in his life, so that people would not just dwell, as you as you said, and I think it's so important, just dwell on the tragedy. Mm-hmm. And we um, we want to preserve that and and make people understand that he was human. He was a teenager, just you know, had turned uh, fourteen. His birthday is July twenty fifth. And it was in 1950, he was born in 41, and this is 1955, so it had just turned uh, 14. Mm. Um, uh, that is, that's who he was, you know, and uh, was vibrant, had class, style, he had swag. Mm. Having a mom who loved him, poured her love into him, community that loved him. He had a little swag, he dressed nicely. So the pictures you see of him, that's him. you know, um, uh, Demonstrate, you know, just who he was. He was right. in a faith community, a Kojic Church of God in Christ community. Right. So, so yes, you know that that's who Emmett was. That's the, I'd say, the legacy that he left with us. Not just the tragedy, mm. and so I appreciate you you asking that. And we try to include that as well, and you know, with with uh, preserving that legacy and. And sharing the story, uh, sharing his life uh, and le- legacy, it's so important beyond just death and the lynching that he did uh, he, that he did actually experience. And that I'll tell you, you know, we are in uh, the the I would say the epicenter of many of the most recent tragedies. You know, with uh, George Floyd, with Philando Casc- Castile, yeah, me, um, and, and, and so many others, uh, there's over 500 in Minnesota that, uh, we connect with those, with the families. Um, there's an organization called families, um, supporting families against police violence. And so we, uh, try to remember the loved ones. So that blueprint that Mamie, um, created is something that carries through today to the other unfortunate, impacted families, you know, where they're sharing the truth, they're standing at podiums, they're pouring their hearts out, they're seeking truth, justice, and accountability, just as she did uh, in nineteen fifty five when it was unheard of of a black woman to to do what she did and to garner the kind of political support, or at least to uh, ask for political support, but to get the media and national organizations to join her. Uh, was unheard of in 1955. Those are the things, and that blueprint is what we follow even today. So Emmett's life means something, it meant something then, it means something today, and it's going to mean something going forward for the future. And hopefully it's positive with love, um, encouragement, and inspiration going forward.
3: This concludes part one of our two-part conversation with Ms. Deborah Watts the co-founder of the Emmett Till Legacy Foundation. Check back in with us for part two right here on the Black Information Network Daily Podcast.
0: Hi, I'm John O'Brien, host of Money and Wealth on the Black Effect Podcast Network. I'm an entrepreneur and a businessman. Now, every Thursday, my newest venture is educating you on how to win financially. Even better, I'm going to teach it in a way that, well, you can understand.
1: Join me on my new podcast, Queer Chronicles, a show where LGBTQ plus folks tell their own stories in their own words. This season, teens will share all about growing up in political battleground states. We will always exist and we will definitely not let them take away our joy, no matter how hard they try. Listen to Queer Chronicles on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your most fabulous
2: shows. We're supposed to learn from our own mistakes, but other people's errors can be instructive too. From efforts to control the weather that went disastrously awry, to the untimely death of the Segway boss, history is a treasure trove of mishaps and meltdowns that can teach us all. I'm Tim Harford, host of Cautionary Tales, the podcast that mines the greatest fiascos of the past for their most valuable lessons. Listen to Cautionary Tales on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.